It's always a joy to worship the Lord with you here in grace. It's also a privilege to once again serve you all by sharing God's word to you. I send warm greetings from Crossroads Church, Dubai. Um, I, I remember a few weeks ago in our service, I, we usually print the names of different churches uh, in the land. And one of the names that we put there is Grace Evangelical Church, and we include your pastor's face in the bulletin. So there's one time that I took a picture while we're about to come in prayer, and I send it immediately to Pastor Anan and told him that the church is praying for Grace and the elders. So do know that you have us in our prayers, and it's such a joy to be in partnership with the gospel among different uh, nations and different locations here in the UAE. Um, when I was a non-Christian, I, I was always being invited by friends who are Christians. So they're having a hard time inviting me in their worship gatherings. So I think one of the things that they thought, thought about in, for, for me to be there is to entice me with food. So they told me, Alvin, if you come to the service, there's free lunch. And most of our friends are there, so there I was, attending the church service, afterwards enjoying scrumptious meal, and that has been the motivation of my heart back then. And again, my motivations are misplaced, and I praise Jesus that that changed when he saved me, called him to himself in a saving way. But uh, yeah, what is your motivation for gathering? Why are you here? Why do you choose to gather on a Sunday morning? We meet on a Friday night, so bear with me. It's a good thing I did not say good evening. <laughs> what is the connection of God's plan in this gathering, the saints, gathering of the saints? Our book that we're gonna study this morning is connected to that, and it's in the book of Ephesians. So I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four. As you go there, let me give you a little background. The book of Ephesians was written by the apostle Paul while he was in prison in Rome. He wrote to this young, thriving church in Ephesus to provide encouragement and instructions. It was said that this that the book of Ephesians was the, is the best book to learn about the local church. And um, as you would look, if you would go back to chapter one and chapter two, Paul speaks of how Jesus creates and forms his church. In chapter three, he explains the purpose of the church. And in chapters four to six, he instructs them on how they are to live as a covenant community or as a church. In our passage uh, this morning, in chapter 4, uh, in verse 15 to 16, we are going to see the apex of Paul's instructions to the church. Everything he said has been building to these two verses. Paul writes to them with enthusiasm and with passion, as a father to his children. These, are pe these people he knew, these people he had deep personal love for them. He poured his life to them. He desires nothing but to see them grow in grace for the glory of Christ. Paul wants them to be what God created them to be, and that is to be like Christ. 
That is why Paul's message to the Ephesians and to us this morning in this passage is for us to grow together in Christ. Grace Evangelical Church, you are to grow together in Christ. My prayer this morning as the revealed word is proclaimed to us is that our affection for Christ would continue to increase that would result in much deeper love and concern for the bride of Christ here at Grace. That, the, that you would pour into this church, that you would serve and love this church until Jesus comes. Let me read to us our passage this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, 15-16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds its up in love. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be edifying to one another and be glorifying to you, O Father. In Christ's name, amen. The overarching theme of our sermon from this passage is this. The church is called to grow. The church is called to grow up together in Christ. The church is called to grow up together in Christ. We have divided this passage into two points. Number one, the church is called to grow in Christ together. The church is called to grow in Christ together. No, that's verse 15. And number two, the church is called to grow as a community together. The church is called to grow as a community together. Number one, the church is called to grow in Christ together. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to, into him who is the head into Christ. Paul desires that the saints in Ephesus may grow in Christ together. This growth happens as they speak truth to one another. This counters the deception that deceptive false teachers who are misleading the church by proclaiming this false doctrine. They are to speak the word of truth, the gospel truth to each other. As mentioned in chapter 1, verse 13, God's people are to grow together, not merely proclaiming the truth, but proclaiming the truth in love. Paul is saying a church should be growing in love. He mentioned this twice in the beginning of verse 15 and towards the end of verse 16. For the church to mature, its members should speak truth and love to one another, speaking and reminding each other of the gospel truth, doctrinal truth, speaking these truths to one another. Truth and love are not enemies. They are friends and should work together harmoniously for the growth of the church. A mark of a maturing church is when its members start speaking the truth about Christ 
and with the love of Christ. Speaking the truth in love is an, is an expression of real Christian love. We live in a world where love is reduced to, reduced to a person who is nice and tolerant. The world defines love differently the way the Bible defines love. The world defines and demands a love that is more accepting, more supportive, a kind of love that is devoid of truth and holiness, a love that allows them to be whatever they identify themselves to be, a love that will allow them to say or do anything the way they want, a love that is even passive and silent, People who would say, I'd rather not say truth or speak truth, thus offend a brother or sister, because that would be unloving. Friends, this is not Christian love. This is not Christian love. This should not define our love as a church. Christian love is different. When a Christian loves, he or she also hates. When a Christian loves, he or she also hates. The Christian love hates sin. Christian love is not tolerating the sins of others or allowing sin to flourish and continue to destroy loved ones. To grow in Christ is to grow in Christ's love. Christian love points others to the ultimate embodiment of love, which is Christ. Ephesians chapter two, if you would go back uh, a few chapters, verses one to five, is one of the most beautiful pictures of God's love to sinners. Well, let me read to them, to you from verses one to three, and then I'll say a little few things, and then I'll read continue reading on verses four to five. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you were once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once live in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Friends, here's the truth. The fallen nature of man doesn't really love God. The only thing that the fallen heart love dearly is the love of self. It's all about us. It's all about our wants, our conveniences, our desires, our happiness, our, our dreams, our acclamations, our achievements, and we will do anything and oppose anyone who gets in our way of getting what we want, when we wanted it, and how we want it. This type of love, friends, is idolatrous. This is called the sin of self-glorification. 
And God doesn't share his glory to anyone, as Isaiah 42, 8 says. God is, is holy, and all idolaters and rebels are eternally judged or punished by God. Let's continue reading verses 4 till 5. Because this is the hope of the fallen human race. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Friends, you and I deserve God's eternal punishment, and none of us can escape this. This is inevitable for those who are not in Christ. But God, who is rich in mercy, sends his son Jesus, the one who truly loved God, perfectly obeyed God the Father in his living and in his dying. He perfectly obeyed the Father. He died on the cross and was judged by God in our place. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. Friends, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Friends, we are in need of this kind of love, desperately need of this type of love, in order to be reconciled and be brought back to God the Father. If anyone repents from their sins and believes in him who had died on that cross for the forgiveness of sins, no longer will he or she be the object of God's wrath but the object of God's love through his son, Jesus. So there is an invitation, friends, to repent from the sin of that type of idolatrous love, the love of self, and turn to Christ's finished work on the cross for salvation, for reconciliation, for redemption, for glorification one day. God didn't love us because we are lovable. God did not love us because we deserved it. He loved us because he chose to love us. And his love has a transforming effect on his people. There is a transforming effect on those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So the question is, how does God's transforming love affect how you, Grace, should love each other in this church? Well, let me give you a few quick points. Number one, first of all, we need to understand or be reminded of we love, we love one another here at Grace with the love of God. We love with the love of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 tells us, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Since we are loved by God, we love each other with the love of God. Does that make sense? A pastor friend of mine said, We speak truth of Christ in love, 
because God in love brought the truth of Christ in us, to us. It's wonderful. Our motive in speaking truth to our brothers and sisters is that they would know the love of God and together grow in that love. That is the motivation why we speak such truth, so that they would see and savor Christ and be amazed by his grace. Second, we continue to love even when we are wronged. We continue to love here at Grace Evangelical Church even when we are wronged. God loved us, and again, this is a reminder, God loved us when we were still dead to our sins. The Bible says in Romans chapter five, uh, verse eight, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did not love us because we loved him first, or we responded to his love. He loved us though we are haters of God. This means, church, we love our brothers and sisters even when we are sinned against. We don't earn each other's love. We don't withdraw our love when we are wronged. We give love freely. That embodies the love of Christ, of God through Christ. Third, we love because love is transformative. We love because love is transformative or it changes us. Thus, when we love with the love of God, it transforms others. God's love transformed us. His love working in and through us can transform our brothers and sisters. God's love has a goal, and it is to transform his people to be like his son. That is the goal of this love. And our love for each other should have the same motive and goal, to see each other transformed to become more and more like Jesus. That's why we love Friends, how do we treat each other right now in this church? Does it look like the way God has treated us? Is God's love reflected when we speak truth to others? Does our love reflect God's motivation in loving others? Since God's love is in us, it will dramatically affect how we love each other in this church. When we show love to others, we grow in love together. Loving others well in the church models to others how they could love one another as well. The way you love gives an example to others how to love others. If you love a difficult brother or a difficult sister, show the grace and patience and love of God, speak truth in this brother or sister's life, they might be offended, they might be hurt, 
But that is just edifying, building them up. Thus, they will do the same. Let us be contagious in this area, friends. Gossip is pretty contagious. So let's stop that. But instead, let us love, model how to love one another so that they would love others well. Second and last, the church is called to grow as a community together. So I'm trying to put the word together always in my points because everything in the life of a Christian is always together with other believers. It's together. The church is called to grow as a community together. Verse 15. We are to grow up. Now, Paul is not saying that in a derogatory way. Grow up. No, he's not saying that. He's saying we, plural. We as a covenant community. We as a church in Ephesus. We as a church in grace. Grow up in every way to, into him who is the head into Christ. Paul is instructing the church, the Christians in Ephesus to grow up. And so he is also instructing us today to do the same, that we should grow together as a covenant community. This is a responsibility for everyone in this church. I remember my sister when uh, she was pregnant to her first baby, I regularly uh, accompany her to the doctor to see how the baby uh, was doing. The doctor did some tests on her, uh, different types of tests, and one of which is doing an ultrasound. It's a type of scan that uses high-frequency sound waves to make an image of a person, a person's internal bodies visible, and that would include a baby. So there's this machine that they rubs in, in the, with the belly of my sister. So they do that so that there will be an image displayed. So they do this, uh, they do this procedure to see if the baby is growing normally. They wanted to know if the body parts and the internal organs are all growing together, maturing together. Lack of growth in one part might prevent improper growth in another part. So, as this is similar in the church, God, as much as God designed our bodies to grow in one unified whole, so is the church as well. Paul uses the body to picture how, uh, how as a church, we, can be, we are interdependent towards one another for growth and unity. It says in verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul describes the body here in two different ways. First of all, the whole, which is in verse 16, the whole. When Paul mentions the whole body, he's talking about the members of the church. For the church to grow, it involves every member in every area. Every member has its own responsibility to do. When a person comes to faith in Christ, uh, by the preaching of God's word, he or she is immediately enrolled in God's church growth plan. Immediately. 
This means for a Christian to grow, he or she needs to commit to a local church. Most of us think of spiritual growth as something that is individual. I want to grow by my own. But Ephesians chapter 4 is showing us that our individual growth fits in the growth of a local church. We are to grow together. To grow in Christ and to grow in Christ's love, we have to be a member of a local church. The only way for us to see uh, the sinfulness of our sins is through the context of relationships. Specifically in a local church where brothers and sisters who will speak into your life, not just the good things, not just flattery, just like Pastor Sam mentioned earlier in his prayer, no, we want to be part of a local church who will speak truth to us and reveal to us what are the things that needs to, need for us to repent from and the things that we need to pursue. That happens, friends, that happens in the context of a local church. But some of us might say, I don't need to be part of any church, Pastor. I'm okay, I am spiritually growing by myself. I'm doing just fine, thank you so much. It's jam. Uh, you know jam? Jesus and me, that's it. It's just Jesus and me. I'm gonna grow into the grace of God by myself. Jesus and me. Well friends, if you say you love Jesus and you hate the local church, then you're saying you hate Jesus. Because Jesus loved the church. He loved this church so much that he died for her on that cross to redeem her. So if we love Jesus, we should have a growing love for the local church. And that's how we grow. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. We need other people who will pour into the, us. The church needs you to pour into one another. Friends, if you have been attending Grace Evangelical Church for a while, you enjoy the singing, you enjoy the friendship, you enjoy the hot coffee or tea or chai, you enjoy every moment of the service, then great. Praise God. But be, to be part of a growing community, for you, us to grow, we must be part of a committed body. We must be part of this church through by being part of a being a member. Okay? Friends, God created you and me for relationships. He has saved you into a family. The whole body makes us grow spiritually. We need one another. You need one another as a church. Church membership is good for your souls. It's good for our souls. Jesus said that the devil is prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Friends, don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. It's easy to buy into the lie to the lifestyle here in the UAE. It's easy to get consumed with fancy meals, nice cars, bigger flats or villas, modern gadgetries, handbags, designer clothing, and travel. 
It's easy to get lost in these things, but God has brought each of us here for a reason. It's not an accident that God brought you here today hearing this point. The sovereign God of the universe has brought each of us here in the UAE to know him and glorify him to know him, to make him known, so that his glory will be displayed through his people in the local, in local churches. We need each other, other to be reminded of this truth. Every time I have an elder interview with incoming members, one of the things I ask is, what is the reason why you're in Dubai? Oh, and he says, well, it's all about the money. It's all about sending money, it's all about paying debt, it's all about, and all about that. And, and probably the reason is for economic reasons. These things are not wrong in and itself, but if this is the only purpose that we know why we are here, then we are missing out, friends. We are totally missing the point. God has brought you here, not just to advance your career, but to advance the kingdom of God as you declare the gospel, not by yourself, but as a church. It is a corporate effort to display God's glory. You're saying, in effect, if you do this, church membership means you are submitting yourself to other believers, to the discipline of the whole church. In effect, what you are really saying is this, I know my heart, is Lord, is prone to wander from the ways of the Lord. Please keep an eye on my life. Kindly, patiently warn me if my life starts to deny Christ. If necessary, discipline me so that I may brought back, be brought back to repentance. Friends, what's the real reason why you are not still a member of Grace? What is the real reason? Is it because you are looking for a church that would fit certain preferences? If that is true, then friends, let me, let me warn you that this is a consumer mentality. This is self-centeredness. What do others have to offer me so I can be part of this church? We become skeptical, we become picky. Friends, we need to be careful with this kind of heart. When Jesus came, he came not to be served, but to serve. We come to church looking for people to serve. Friends, the church is not about you. It's not about me. Our lives are meant to be lived for God and for others. Church membership should be taken seriously. We are members linked to a body and built up to one another. Ask Pastor Sam, Pastor Alex, Will, or Anan, uh, when is the next membership class? If you have more questions about this, ask them. If you think you will grow in a detachment from church, you are wrong because the whole body should grow together. So Paul described the church as the whole body, verse 16, and second part of verse 16, he also described this as the parts of the body. So first we talked about the whole body, and now the parts of the body. The body grows together. The growth depends on the individual parts. We are dependent towards one another for growth. Uh, when I was in high school, I loved playing basketball, and there was a time that I took that uh, jump shot, 
that I missed. I still remember that. But the story really goes when I, my, my, when I, by my foot step on the other player's foot that eventually twisted my ankle really badly. So for the past few weeks, I was barely ambulatory because of the pain. My whole body, as you may, is just in pain. Well, similarly, the working of, that is on the negative term, okay? When the body of Christ is hurting, everybody hurts. But the working for each part of the body is necessary for growth uh, to, for the body, for, for, the, for, for the church to function well, okay? The church has a similar principle. The church is a body that shared equality and responsibility in the parts. Every member is important for growth. So friends, if you're a member of this church, you are important for the growth of Grace Evangelical Church. You are important. This is Paul's point throughout the book of Ephesians. In chapter two, Christ died to make his people one. In chapter four, Christ gave his gifts to the church in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry and being equipped to build up the body of Christ. If this is so, then the goal of pastors preaching, the goal of pastors teaching, and members being equipped to minister to one another is to build the unity of the faith and the knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. That is the goal. That is the direction, building in unity in Christ. We now become a tool for the unity of God's body. If we become humble students of God's word, God will equip us to serve one another. Ephesians chapter four, uh, verses one to five, uh, go a few verses up, uh, talks about working together as a whole in unity. It says there in verse one in Ephesians four, I therefore a prisoner, for the Lord, you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. A few things that was mentioned here that, could be, that will be helpful for us as we evaluate growing together. First of all, humility. Uh, we see that in verse two. Humility, when we put others first before ourselves, it will strengthen the church's unity. Why? Because pride, and we, pride weakens and divides the church. So if we want to grow as a body, we think of others first. That is very Christ-like, isn't it? If, there's a, if you are heading towards that shy table right there and you see another brother come, you let him come first. Now that is a small example of thinking of others first, but it's in the small things that we can see a person's heart, isn't it? We think of others first before us. Second, we see in verse two also gentleness. Gentleness. As a church, when we speak, when we speak with grace, kindness, and compassion, we grow the bond of Christ that holds us together. Anger, harshness, slander, gossip destroys this bond. Second, third, patience. Patience, uh, it's also in verse two. Patience comes from a heart that recognizes that to be together is better than being apart. 
Okay? In short, a person will be saying, I will wait with you because I need you. Now, here's the truth. There are brothers and sisters in our lives, or maybe that's us, that we need, people need more patience for us. There are people, uh, there's what we call the grace growers, okay? There are people in our lives that really grows the grace in you, isn't it? But we must be patient, for the Lord has been patient to us, not giving us what our sins deserve. So we must be patient. Not everybody is growing equally in maturity. Be patient if they don't understand the theological terms that, you, that you're talking about. Be patient if they continue to fall. Be patient if they are weak. Be patient. Walk with them. Wait for them. When I was a child, uh, my dad loves to bring me to a city called Quezon City. And there's a huge roundabout. It's called uh, Quezon City Circle. Uh, my goodness, when I brought Dave Furman, a pastor of Redeemer there, he said, this is the biggest roundabout I've seen in my life. There's a city in the middle of this roundabout. It's really huge. It's ginormous, okay? So my dad always brings me there and he, we, to jog. And of course, my dad is a big guy and I was a little dude. And he makes a point to jog really slow. And, and here I was trying to sprint and he, he's, I, saw, I thought in my mind back then I was caught up with him. I said, ha, I'm here. I'm and then he allows me to pass him. And in my mind, when I was a little tight, I was just like, oh, man, I'm fast. I, I, my dad is miles away. But he was gracious. He was patient. He was willing to wait. Friends, do you think you need to slow down a little bit if we see a brother or sister who is kind of slow? trying to catch up, still weak, trying to catch up. Maybe what we need is not just stop, but go back. Walk with them. Cry with them. Rejoice with them. Disciple them. Pour your life to them. Be patient. Fourth, verse 2 also says, bearing with one another in love. Love means treating each other with value and importance. Love motivates us to come alongside with someone who is hurting and struggling, even if it costs us our time, energy, and resources. That's what you call the language of intentionality. Bearing with one another in love. Walking alongside with someone who is struggling, who is hurting. We are coming to a point that we are willing to be inconvenienced. Are you willing to be inconvenienced for a brother and sister who's struggling, who needed help, who needed a ride getting here, or he needed time at 12 a.m. in the morning, who needs counsel? Fifth, verse three, eager to me maintain the unity of the spirit. Unity is not a product that we produce, but a gift from God. God purchased our unity as a church when Christ died on that cross. God gave to those who have placed their faith in Christ. So if, if unity is a gift, we must steward this well. We must steward this as a church. Pour into others. Invest in their lives, even though no one is noticing it. 
minister, speak into their lives, spend time, even though, no, even though the pastor is not noticing it. We have a senior member in our church. No, she's not part of the music team. She doesn't know how to play uh, any instruments. She doesn't know how to sing. She knows how to sing probably in her room. <laughs> But she, she doesn't have this, uh, because of her limitations, she's not able to serve the body in a, in a much visible and greater way. But, but this didn't stop her. This didn't stop her from serving the body. After the service, she makes sure she talks and encourages, to me encourages members, younger members, those who are visiting for the first time, this, this senior member of ours makes sure that she encourages people with the word, pray for them, cry with them. On a weekday, she leads a Bible study and meets people for discipleship. She's just relentless. She's just on. She's, she's all out. But nobody notices this much. And she doesn't care. She wants to be part in growing the body in her own way. She is contributing to the unity of the body in a glorious way. She may not be noticed, but her humble, gentle, patient, and loving heart has served Crossroads well and helped strengthen our bonds. Friends, would that describe you? Protect the unity of the church in your words, in your deeds, and safeguard it so that you may grow as a whole, grow together. Friends, Christ is the source of our growth. Christ is the goal of our growth, where we will grow to be more and more like Jesus. That is the prayer. We need Christ and each other to change and mature. I pray that Grace Evangelical Church would become more like Christ, which is what God created you for. There will come a day that we will stop growing. There will come that day. There will come a day that we will stop growing and we will be completely full of Him and will bring glory to God as Jesus Christ returns. Until, but today... God will continue to sanctify us. The sanctification process does, sometimes does not take pleasure. It's slow. It's heartbreaking. But it's good for us. Especially when you're part of a growing community. Growing in Christ. Jesus is the beginning an ending point of the church. In Ephesians, God's play, plan to glorify himself by uniting to himself with his people through Christ. Our growth into Christ is based on the love of God. By the end of that time, it's more about what Christ has done in us. These things we can never do outside of ourselves. We need Jesus. We need Jesus, yes, but we need one another to remind us of Jesus and what he has done, and what he will do. Grace Evangelical Church, this is a good reminder that Jesus is the head of this church. Not the pastor, not Pastor Sam, not Pastor Anan, not the deacons, not the members, Jesus is, Jesus. This is also comforting 
that Jesus is the head of Crossroads too with fallen pastors like me. Grace Reformed Baptist Church, Jesus' church should be fed the way Jesus feeds his sheep. This church should be, should be loving one another the way Jesus loves his church. Its mission should be God's mission and its purpose should be God's purpose. For one, for us to become like Christ and to give God all the glory that he deserves. This will happen. This will happen one day. But for now, the church is called to grow together in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is true. Your word is rejuvenating. Your word refreshes the soul. We pray, Father, that Grace Evangelical Church would continue to grow up into Christ together, and we pray that they would grow as a community together. I pray that as they live and love and minister together, that, 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 that the watching world would see what kind of God they're serving, a God that is all-glorifying and a God that is all-satisfying. In Christ's name we pray.